just bring the anecdotes, okay, guys? Yeah. Ma mainly an anecdotal conversation, not any centered in any sort of research or any sort of data. <laughs> Let's keep it <laughs> feelings and and guts and little whispers in our ears okay and broken and broken telephone let's do let's keep it to that wing it podcast goosedigital.com virtual edition who do we have Chris O'Neill. Robin Kroll. Kevin Butler. Michael Turksani. Hey, guys. Hey. Sounds like we're on episode 38 to 40, depending on how we're going to roll this. We don't, have a, we don't have a real picture on that right now, but we're going to be talking about marketing funnels and having a good picture of your leads, so maybe we should have a podcast funnel so we know what, what number we're on at any given moment, but that's okay. I don't think people are going to get too bent out of shape on that. Um, redesigning your digital marketing funnel, part two, Kevin Butler. If you haven't read it, it's on. It's it's one of those viral blog articles that are going crazy on LinkedIn right now, talking about trending. how it's trending. It is trending. Um, we haven't put any money behind it. Nobody's read it, but sure. we're gonna. What's that, Chris? You're organic. Just, it's just growing because it's being shared. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, this is part of our series of helping uh, companies that are probably more B2B, you know, selling type organizations that would be relying on a lot of trade shows. Um, we've got some good content kind of coming up around um, those that actually run trade shows. That's, that's going to be one that comes out shortly. But, um, but for companies like us, who would already have done a couple this year or probably three this year um, to many that had a, a pretty solid schedule. Um, we're talking about the digital marketing funnel. You know, those organizations may not have had as much rigor around um, really managing a funnel because they'd come back with leads and they would be, you know, um, mainly focused on things that are kind of moving quick through the funnel. And now there's a, a, kind of a greater emphasis on that. So we want to talk about that. There is a blog. We'll link it in the description. But I think it'd be good for the, the audience to, uh, to check out. But I think we're going to start with data and then maybe messaging, right? I think that's what we, we said as kind of like the two kind of starting points moving in. So who wants to, who wants to kick this off? Kev, maybe it's, it's your thing. And then because it's data, Robin can weigh in because she's going to be She's going to be ready to pounce the moment the, the four, the four letter word comes into play. I'm going to try yeah. to tee you up, Robin. Okay. Yeah. All so right. I, well. think, I think the idea here, Mike, you're right. We've been talking about um, for organizations who have traditionally been heavily invested in trade shows as a means for lead generation. Like what do you do now in this new world where uh, events and in-person meetings just aren't really on the table as far as marketing programs. And so I think in general, you've seen, um, quite a heavy push for webinars and other sort of promotions around how do we continue to drive engagement, virtual conferences, which we're actually gonna take part in one next month and we'll, we'll kind of do a blog about that and show our experience. Right. But mm -hmm. I think it really comes down to, you're either gonna reallocate some of your money into things you're already doing or uh, allocate money towards new things and 
have some sort of test and learn type process and hey maybe there's a diamond in the rough there as far as new programs channels tactics methods etc and so one of the things that we've been preaching is two things one is it's always important to test whether we have things like trade shows and events or not it is important to try the new things because you might just find something really great uh, or you might just go to places your competition aren't and the second part of it really is going to come down to what are the foundational things that make up your program and how do you do that better? And, and one of our collective observations is in light of no trade shows actually happening, people are quick to say, all right, well, you better double down on digital ad spend and webinars. And so that kind of works, except now the competition for more webinars and digital ad spend has gone through the roof. And two, if you have leaky cracks in your foundations, then all that work might not be for much value. And so when we define and Robin, I'll transition into you here, is when we define things like foundational elements, we're talking about website, landing pages, email, and central to all of that, of course, is your database and supporting data. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you know, with the, this proliferation now of all these uh, digital events, or you know, you're talking about some of the ads, um, what, what I hope we're not going to see is this back to this whole spray and pray kind of attitude saying, you know what, I'm in panic mode right now. Uh, you know, my funnel's dried up, so I'm going to just try and do everything and see if anybody, you know, kind of pays attention. Let's just try to get anybody to our webinar. And, you know, that, that's unfortunate if it happens and there's no need for it to happen. One of the foundational things, as you talked about, is data. Every single company today has data. Arguably, they have too much data. Um, oh, sorry, and not too much data, but they have data that is not More even data than they know it's More data, data than they actually, yeah. exactly, sorry, that's, that's a better term. So this is the opportunity to look at the data and to really understand who is my target audience? Um, how have they engaged with me in the past? What are their interests? Um, do I have the data I need to be able to, to personalize uh, the way I'm communicating with them and the type of events and ads that I'm putting together? And using that data to be really, really focused on attracting the, the right audience, having the right conversation, because there's no point going ahead and filling up the top of your uh, funnel with those that are gonna drop out right away because they are not the right audience. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, in terms of the, the, the funnel design, um, let's, maybe we should talk a little bit about, you know, the audience and, and, and the data that maybe you should have or, or would have to support your funnel design. And, and Kev, I'll let you kind of kick that off and then come back to, um, to Robin and Chris. But, you know, if you've got this data that you, you know, at your fingertips and now you're rethinking your funnel, you know, what, what pieces of it do you think are, are worth, are worthy of sort of investigating um, as part of your program work and, and your, and your funnel makeup? Well, I think something we were talking about before where you really kick this podcast off is everything's sort of changed now, right? And I think we know a lot about our existing funnels and pipelines and historically how we've dealt with things, but the way in which we're bringing in leads moving forward through any program is just a little bit to a lot different than what we've been doing in the past. And I think we have to recognize that. So in absence of having an in-person meeting or even a, an event where we can kind of get away with asking questions and process, 
or having them naturally come up in conversation. Now we're going to have to be more diligent about how we actually go about understanding levels of qualification, understanding levels of engagement. And you just don't have that can look someone in the eye and just get a sense as to where they're really at. So I, the fundamentals certainly come back to play here as far as how are we actually evaluating whether this lead is one qualified to fit into what we call a marketing qualified lead or a wheelhouse lead as I was calling it in the, in the blog. And two, if it's ready for sales engagement, because I think it's, we talk about this a lot with our clients and our prospects, but it's one thing for a lead to fit the sort of bullseye criteria of what kinds of organizations we historically sell to, but it's another for them to be ready to actually be sold too. So there's, you know, that's why they're the difference between marketing qualified and sales qualified, but really asking those questions and making sure there's even like the basic questions, like, is there an active project? Is there a budget for said project? Is there a timeline established? I think sometimes we glance over those, especially when you're in person and now, because we don't have that at best, we have zooms and WebExes. We really got to stay clear on what those fundamental questions would be and how we evaluate whether something's actually fit to be sold for versus fit to be in a pipeline. Okay. So maybe I'll, I'll let Chris um, weigh in on this a bit because I, uh, I suspect this is also something that he sees every day. Um, that criteria might change. Exactly. So the questions have actually changed. So we talk to uh, to customers, you know, some, you know, sort of having larger ticket items, uh, you know, a leading CMS provider out there with whom we do business. We were talking to to uh, to them uh, earlier this week about what's happened in their funnel. And what's happened is that, you know, because it's a large ticket item, you know, those that were at the bottom of the of the funnel, like ready to go, you know, they're they're secure. They, they, they're ready to go. But the middle and top of funnel has, you know, not disappeared, but it's basically changed. Having a, um, you know, sort of, you know, got, have, having had a process by which you could predict sort of the way that a, a, a prospect would flow through the funnel, that's no longer sort of, we can't, we can't count on that, on that uh, progression anymore the way that we did before this pandemic sort of occurred. Everything sort of, changing on a, on a, almost a daily basis. So being able to have a, um, an ability to move uh, to, first of all, have that sort of knowledge of the funnel, that's great. Having that, uh, that ability to sort of see what's happening at the top, middle and bottom of funnel, then having a plan to how to, you know, how to move those through for some, they have, they've sort of relied on almost a natural progression of sort of things that would work. Now that's mm -hmm. all, you know, that's, that's all changed. So the things that were expected to, to, to close, you know, through yeah. that sort of pre-pandemic, that's, that's no longer the case. So going back to what is it that you do when they're at the top and at the middle of the funnel? That is, is sort of the, the, the job of the, of the marketers now to figure out what is it that we need to do in order to move them in this sort yeah. of post-pandemic. Uh, well, that's kind of where I was going like in the piece that we published um, recently is this like sort of really simple funnel and you can make it more um, complicated and add various steps and, and, and maybe some organizations should. But at a high level, what we've got is a, a three-stage funnel of acquisition so that's the actual generation of the lead where did it come from and how do we get it mm -hmm. there's the nurture and then there's the qualification and so in some cases you'll generate a lead and maybe you can really 
dial in the audience on a LinkedIn and anyone that comes in through that channel and that program is pretty much going to be exactly the kind of organization you seek to speak with. So maybe you can just um, streamline that right into qualification and, is, and that sort of nurture step in between that isn't necessary. But in some cases, maybe starting off as simple in that nurture stage is just sending, uh, I don't know, three or four emails as part of a actual um, sequence. And we're trying to really use that, those emails as a means to separate and identify the leads in there that are engaged and the leads that aren't. And that's how we're going to go and focus marketing to go in and say, which one of these meet the qualification criteria, which one of them are acceptable to be putting into the calendars of our sales team and which ones require just a bit more time and nurturing. And so yeah. it can be really complicated. And we talked to our clients a lot about this, but it's like even just getting out of the gate with a simple three stage process and maybe three or four emails as part of a nurture campaign, even that will tell you a lot about your audience, who's engaged, who isn't. And it's okay if there's a decent chunk of those leads that aren't engaged. The more important piece is, one, do we have some leads that are engaged and we can pull to that next stage of our, our sort of end-to-end -end funnel? And two, are we learning how to actually build the mechanics and process around doing this? Because once we do that, then we can optimize and get better and better. But that's really the first stage here. And, and we don't have these events. We don't have... Um, other in-person type activities that we can do. So in lieu of that, we're going to have to have slightly more sophistication in how we actually nurture these things through probably. Well, I think, you know, maybe I'll turn this over to you, Robin, to talk about messaging for a little bit, because mm -hmm. I know you're, you yeah. know, part of um, what you're doing for some clients right now is sizing up new markets and how they can actually enter those markets with their products. And I think when you, when you consider your messaging strategies right now for, your top of funnel, middle funnel, as, as you've just, as you, as you've uh, described it there, Kev, there's obviously some organizations that have um, a product that, and a need that might actually accelerate through the funnel. You know, there might be situations where you, pro, you, you know, you're a provider of maybe software or, or certain type of uh, digital services or or what what have you that has become an increasingly in demand through this process. So the, you know, there's a, a messaging framework that probably is a little, you can kind of understand that better because it's like, oh, well, you know, we used to have a, a, a longer sales cycle and we would say these things and pretty much say the same things, maybe with a slight, slight tweak and they're just moving faster through the funnel. I think, well, maybe the one that you could talk a bit to Robin and we could just go around for a bit on is when that's not going to be the case when you are going to have protracted deal lengths because of a variety of reasons, but these individual companies might actually be in MQLs. They, you know, in fact, they may even meet some sort of SQL requirement. Like this is a project. It is, you know, something that we're going to look at in Q4, Q1. So now let's talk about, you know, messaging around that when you, when you go. So why don't you take that on Robin and then we'll go around a bit sure. on that. And I think the first part of the messaging is really about the listening. So, you know, Chris, one of the things that you said is that businesses, they're, they're changing right now. So what, what might have been a priority two months ago, the priority has shift, shifted because their business has changed. So being able to listen to that because the benefit you can provide to them or the product that they're looking for might have shifted. And so that's important to integrate that into the messaging. And then the listening, as the customers are going through your funnel, um, 
you know, at every different stage, as they're digesting or as they're not digesting your, um, you know, your marketing material, that also is giving you guidelines of what they're interested in and at what speed. So once you're listening to that, you can use all that data to actually create that messaging that you know that you're you're talking about mike and that messaging then is a lot more aligned to what is the benefit you can actually deliver to them at this point and then a little bit further down the road and making sure that that messaging is really uh, addressing or, or little tidbits of what's in what's what is important for them to uh, to know or to digest at this point, so then they can move on to that next level. Um, so if it's specific about the product as well as their industry, so they're understanding, oh yeah, this is really relevant to me, so they're gonna move on to that next level. And with the messaging, I, you know, we're we should also be thinking about different channels. So we know person to person, that channel is off the table for right now. Um, but there's still uh, a whole mix of digital channels. There's some direct mail that's actually coming back in as a really important uh, messaging channel with amazing capabilities to, to drive really uh, personalized and targeting, uh, targeted um, types of collateral. And, and so that should all be thought of within the whole messaging framework. So I'm gonna ask, I'll go to Chris and then I want like have to maybe talk about this concept. Uh, um, Chris, I'd like you to talk about um, if you are generating SQLs or MQLs, like, like you, you, you may not have had say, say the rigor of a, of a digital funnel, but you were generating them off, off an event and essentially the sales team's just calling everybody, you know, yeah. but I want to talk a little bit about, you know, if their deals are not going to move as fast, you know, what are the types of things that we can now do from a sales perspective to also provide some intelligence? So, yeah, the, um, uh, the one thing that, you know, getting back to, to the absolute basic of having, uh, having a system that can actually, you know, deliver personalized messages, um, mm -hmm. is, is like so huge right now. So if somebody was thinking to themselves, you know, why would I sort of invest on top of my CRM into a marketing automation platform? Um, you know, the answer uh, is it's, it's not because it's going to sort of drive like that specific ROI, although it can. The main reason is to be able to have a system that's able to deliver those personalized messages. So getting on top of what uh, Robin was saying a moment ago, Go. One of the things about uh, about having one of these systems and being able to um, to sort of dissect what it is that a um, that how a customer is interacting is mm -hmm. to, to sort of deliver that uh, that that individual and personalized message, which is what drives that uh, that engagement and drives that conversation. Um, so yeah, that's 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 how I would say um, you know that that. You know, as as opposed to just blasting into a a list, which again we've we've you know proven time and time again, there is a time for sales to reach out. It is not when somebody has registered for opened an email. Yeah, opened an email. But, but but if you do call, I think that you know there's a unique opportunity to sort of you know, I think part of the article that you said, Kev, is you know, having these standard qualifications or these standard steps that we might be following when it does get to the point where sales 
gets on the phone with with a an SQL, I think nowadays that that conversation has changed. So what are the types of things that you would suss out, Chris, from your perspective, where you're like, hey, I don't want to move this out of SQL. It's still a valid SQL, but you know, this is going to be an extended period of time now where where sales can actually be be part of that frontline intelligence. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, for sure. If, if you're talking to a, to a, a, a customer who does fall into that category of, you know, let, let's not forget about the fact that somebody that was in the, in the middle or like at that SQL stage where they are, 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 are definitely, they had, they had a timeline, they had a budget and that's basically being pushed. Just having, having that ability to, to continue to keep in touch with that, uh, with that customer and sort of give the message that, Hey, you know, so we, we appreciate that, that, that this is something that has sort of, you know, made an adjustment to the budgets. It's made an, uh, an adjustment to what it is that you're doing to be able to sort of, you know, let them know that, that, you know, we we will be we will be here if if things are are uh, you know when things get back to normal or when when things turn back around we're going to be uh, we're going to be here and ready for you. So so Kat, for for marketing teams that are charged with you know having us having a marketing funnel slash sales funnel <clears throat> that they're you know really driving the, the, a large part of that, certainly well into SQLs. Um, is it fair to say that marketing almost needs to kind of rethink their own parameters on um, when they would, you know, return to nurture, when they would declassify an MQL? Yeah. Um, yeah. So just like a, a few things here, and I think like this can really be, these sort of ideas can be born out of marketing maybe maybe product marketing to get specific but you know rob and chris you both have said it is like things have changed like indefinitely whether it's like forever or for a foreseeable period of time and so the needs of businesses have changed in some cases those have altered only slightly and in other cases like entire businesses have changed given what's going on around us but for active projects i would say or sorry active deals that were going on prior to covid really kicking up I think the question if I were the sales rep, I'd be asking is, does the need you have before still exist? Because maybe it comes down to positioning and better understanding what the new needs are relative to the old ones, because they might still mm -hmm. need that, I don't know, that widget X, but we may have to frame it in a different light to say what it now solves and what it stands for in the new world with sort of these new realities upon us. And going back to product marketing, I think maybe that's partly how one, yes. we change the messaging on programs and campaigns to better talk to and pivot to these new realities that do truthfully fit um, what the product service or solution stands for. But then from there, that might change some of the qualification questions that we ask and that will dictate whether things are turned and nurture or not. So I think there's, there's gotta be some sort of flexibility in the sales cycle that both marketing and sales own to say, you know, is this a good lead for now? Okay, we sell it to organizations that have X number of employees and drive Y in terms of revenue per year, but maybe there's a bit more to it now. Maybe there's other sort of criteria we need to create in the short term that we can be asking. And, and one thing, like as a side note, I'm really like a big believer in this. I don't, I don't see people do this enough in marketing is when you go and you drive a new lead, you acquire them, you have them fill out a form, it's usually five to seven fields, including first name, last name, industry, et cetera. You can always have more fields later on in the term, in forms of 
progressive profiling, et cetera. And so maybe what we can do is use our existing database to better understand new things. Maybe it's, I don't know, recent challenges, operational challenges or needs, and try to get into what those new qualification criteria are asking. And we'll try to incentivize if we have to, some way with our existing database to try to pick out who might have needs we can solve for in this sort of messaging marketing pivot. Okay, so I know we're coming up on probably getting close to time. Um, and, but I think it's one of the things I was thinking about when you were, when you guys were talking about kind of the, the messaging pivots and, and having deals in the pipeline potentially longer than, than before, depending on your industry. So it makes me think, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for marketing to, to your point, like have more intelligence uh, on, on the existing base that we have, but actually have a larger pipeline than before. I know that we, many marketing teams would, you know, qualify out after a certain period of time of, uh, of minimal activity. Um, they, they may not reach a score to pass it to SQL, but it's been kind of clipping along and that score might re reset in 60 days, depending on the volumes that, that they surface as a business. And maybe what we find is that if it's quality and there's ways for marketing to sort of deploy programs and look at engagement, that they actually maintain those, those leads and, and maintain those, uh, those states for longer than they had. And then as we start to resume to some level of normality for their business, um, they've got a lot more to work with than, than they may have otherwise before. So there's something there. Yeah, for sure. I'm wondering, uh, just on that point, Mike, you know, some of the yeah. leads that might have qualified out because prior to COVID-19, maybe they didn't see your widget as a priority. So now we know that there are a lot of things, especially in the digital space, that have become priorities. So their whole need could have changed. Yeah, I love the I love the call up for product marketing. I think that was big. Um, we didn't have that kind of on the list. We we had messaging, you know, as a as a as a as a concept. But yeah, I think this is a a, a pretty significant exercise. Actually, depending on again, depending on your your industry and exactly where you are, to have a product marketing function that that pivots into the lens that is relevant to your audience and your different use cases and um that have now come up in a truthful way to your point kev not just making things up um from a marketing perspective but there there may be things now that you never thought of before that are very relevant and you need to go back to product marketing to suss that out and start the process from beginning to end well here's like a great like a textbook example it's not our industry but it's one that's uh extremely prominent right now is web conferencing right so mm -hmm. let's say i'm sort of time stamping this podcast but say two or three months ago, WebEx had a role in business. And then all of a sudden social distancing and COVID hits and it's like, it becomes the way in which we're meeting from now on. And so it was all about sort of continue business as usual by being responsible and proper social distancing um, observations being made. And then all of a sudden security comes into an issue because it turns out there's some flaws and some potential gaps people can jump in and, and all of a sudden security is an issue. And so yes. then what happens is now they're positioning sort of a combination of it's a secure web chat. Here's some of like the security features we've recently added. 
in Zoom's case, they've gone and hired a true uh, CSIO from like Facebook background and stuff like that, who really knows what he's doing in this enterprise kind of BSC space. And so it's like, that's part of it. These are the adjustments they've made to address uh, potential gaps before, and it's still helping you with uh, remote working, blah, 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 blah. So right. like there's been an evolution and sort of near real-time pivoting going on in that kind of, I don't know, solution sales cycle that we're seeing. And I think a lot of businesses are seeing maybe not as dramatic shifts as, as sort of web conferencing, but that's the pivot that's going on. So maybe like the same kinds of opportunities are available for sales, but it's about tweaking the message and relying on other values as part of the solution to move the lead through the sales stages in order to actually sell them. Awesome. Great. Well, I, th I think that will wrap it up here and um, we'll be back for another one in uh, probably a couple of weeks when you publish your next uh, series there, Kev. Yep. yep. I think the final one. Yeah. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thanks. Peace. Bye. Peace.